Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast Investorpreneur, where investors meet entrepreneur. Here we talk about everything investing real estate, and today, wow, have I got a treat for you. A guy that I respect, trust, and believe has guided me and worked with me on building part of my portfolio. I've gotten the chance to invite him on this podcast to share his wisdom, his tips, his strategies, and what he believes is going to happen in the future of commercial real estate, how you can also benefit and why commercial properties need to be a part of your portfolio. I've got a gentleman, Mr. Steven Gammer on the show, sharing that with us today on how this is gonna make a difference for you. My name is Peter Leung and I'm a global real estate investor. I own, invest, and develop properties all around the world. You've probably seen me on videos or on Instagram or social media, working with serial entrepreneurs and investors. I'm also a private equity business and angel investor as well. As some of you have, you can find me on Facebook or Instagram at I am Peter Leung. Or uh, alternatively, if you are looking for uh, deals, funding deals, you can send those deals to us at deals at IamPeterLeung.com. But without further ado, let me introduce my friend, Mr. Stephen Gammer. Stephen, thanks for being here. Hey, Peter. Good to see you. It's, it's awesome. You know, it's so hard to lock you down because so much is happening in the, commercial, in the commercial world in Vancouver, as we've obviously seen um, in the last couple weeks. So thank you for making the time to be here, sharing your tips and strategies as to how our listeners are able to benefit and why this is going to be part of their portfolio. So first and foremost, why should commercial property be a part of their portfolio? Commercial real estate offers things that residential doesn't in a, a couple different ways. One is strong income. You have solid tenants. Uh, you have long-term leases. And then the other is capital appreciation. It's, it's a really, really strong investment that you can get leverage on. It's, it's, it's treated differently so far as the tax, taxes in terms of uh, a capital investment compared to stocks or something but it's an excellent investment with excellent returns, especially here in uh, Vancouver. You have uh, the industrial market has gone up literally 55% since 2016. Wow. So you're, you're saying that, that ultimately commercial is going to help us make more money. Is that, is that in two different, mean? in two different ways? Yes. Okay. So it's How both so? the income as well it's the income as well as the capital appreciation. So when, in this particular market, you have a market that's geographically hemmed in. You have the U.S. border to the south, you have the Pacific Ocean, and then you have mountains. British Columbia is very mountainous. And so you have a, you have a confined area that has a shrinking uh, portfolio in terms of the, the amount of land that's available in the area. And... What, is, what that means is scarcity is going to uh, drive up the, the, the price because with a lack of supply, the price is going to be going up. There was, a, there was actually a few years ago, there was a report that came out of the port of Metro Vancouver that said that industrial land is going, they're going to run out of developable industrial land in Metro Vancouver by 2030. Now, if you think that you're in another city somewhere, and if you just like, if you're in Edmonton or Milwaukee or somewhere, you say, well, we're going to go south. And it would say like, you know, things start getting expensive. Well, let's just go east. You can't do that in this particular market. So it's, it's, it's an area that is really growing. It's, it's growing fast. It's got a solid population. 
it's got good economic growth, and it's got a stable political environment. And so you have these factors that come together that say more people want to be here, they feel safe here, it's cosmopolitan. And so with positive economic growth, positive job growth, when you are in a, an asset that is highly desirable, you're going to have a lot of people looking for it. Okay, so you've so been a part of this commercial real estate for 16 years. You were the former director of the, real, uh, the Vancouver Real Estate Board. You're also the former president of the Western Canadian chapter for CCIM, which is for commercial properties. So here, here's, here's the thing. What makes, like you've shared with us, what makes commercial properties in Vancouver such a good idea? But can you cover with some of the various type of assets that we're talking about? Well, like what type of assets? I mean, residential, we understand. Single family home could be an apartment or it could be a condo. Or it could be a townhouse or a duplex. But a lot of people are not really familiar with the types of commercial real estate assets that are available. Can you just give us a, a, a little bit of a run through on that? So I was uh, initially mentioning industrial, industrial warehouses. So that could be uh, distribution centers, manufacturing, uh, various, various forms of small businesses that are in, in like with hard goods that are going to drop on your foot and make you go out. And that's by the way, that's the, the type of deal side. we're looking at right now together, right? We're working on a deal, it, it, right? On that, yes. exactly that type of asset, which we love, yes. which we love. So, yes. Oh, I know, I know. So the so industrial is is a sect is, is a sector of the market that makes something. It's either moves something or makes something. And maybe it's logistics, but it's it's it has to do with things. Uh, the office market has to do with people, has to do with services, uh, finance, uh, real estate, insurance, uh, other other forms. Uh, the small businesses that are that are in the office market, retail, obviously in, in retail. You're, uh, you're moving goods in a, in a local area that is going to be uh, servicing that, that particular market as well. Uh, industrial, or sorry, commercial does actually involve multifamily as well. That is actually part of the, the commercial world is multifamily. So if you're six units or more, that would be considered a multifamily unit. And that is, is another segment of commercial business because you're, you're not doing just a single family house or a townhouse or a condo or something like that. You're doing uh, uh, what would be a managed property of multiple tenants. So that's actually considered commercial as well. So these are the various type of general assets. Now, which one, I mean, we're just coming out of COVID, right? We're, we're now almost at the phase of post-COVID. Um, what type of yeah. assets in the commercial field do you believe from your experience? You've, you've seen OA, you've seen the tech bubbles, you've seen all this but is COVID any different? And secondly, what type of assets could be the benefactor for this changing trend? There's, there's definitely going to be winners and losers coming out, out of this. So if we were looking beforehand, retail was having a little bit of struggles before COVID hit and coming out of COVID, it's gonna get really just kicked in the stomach really, really hard. It's gonna have a very, very difficult time going forward. Because so as people are getting trained to move over to uh, purchasing things on Amazon, on the internet. So it's, it's really going to be moving over to the, that side of things. The beneficiary of that is actually industrial. Because more things are going to be moving to, uh, to moving from the, 
when they're when they're imported into a, a particular country and then moving from warehouse directly to uh, the person. So there's there's going to be a lot more focus on distribution, means that you're going to have the the sales are going to be going directly to the person and not going through a retailer. That's so it's going to be doing impacting that a lot. Office is a little bit more difficult to uh, to understand what's going to happen exactly. Personally, I am. I'm either neutral or to slightly bearish on office. A lot of people are still saying that the office they're quite bullish on because they see that there's long-term leases. There's the, we have low vacancy in Canada. And, and so, uh, so therefore they say that we're, we're going to be seeing just a stable market there. Personally, I've, uh, there's been announcements from Shopify, from uh, Cisco systems. Both of them are saying they are permanently moving their sales forces and their admin admin into uh, work work from home situations they will have they'll, they'll have smaller offices but they're going they're they'll still have some but they're going to have smaller offices because they they've learned that the, the metrics are showing them that people actually are getting work done or in some cases better because they're less distractions when they're working from home so I think that office is going to be going through some shifting but again I'm gonna say I'm gonna say it goes back to population growth and job growth so if you're in markets that have positive population growth, growth and job growth, you're going to have a good market there. The downtown cores are possibly not going to be able to maintain the high market rates that they've been getting because they've been, they've been growing so much. Uh, so for example, in, uh, in Vancouver, there's uh, 3.9 million square feet of, uh, just like a, of, of space that is under construction right now and uh or sorry 5.5 million and uh and 3.8 million of that is pre-leased right so it, it's 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 leased prior to uh it hitting the market so those things are going to go through through the market but i think that there's going to be a a learned a, a way of of approaching the business that you don't need to have as much market space in terms of office footprint okay. but i mean that those are type of assets that that work i mean but a lot of people understand multifamily or at least, you know, homes, right? Because it's, it's just a sort of a, a bigger version of many types of homes. What are your views on, you know, this type of asset class as a multifamily or what, what's your, what's your take on that? So uh, one of the big differences uh, between commercial and residential has to do with the type of lease. So in commercial leases, you have longer term leases. So you have a, a fixed rate of return. So you know that you're, you, you've got a 10-year lease with a, a large distribution tenant that's going to be there, uh, plus they have a, a renewal option or something like that. So you're, you know what your income is going to be for the next 10 years on that particular deal. Another thing about uh, commercial leases is that it's what's called a net lease to the landlord. When they say net lease to the landlord, it means that the landlord says, here's the property. If there's a problem, it's yours. In residential, you have gross leases. So the, with, if the property taxes go up, the landlord has to actually eat that. If they've, if they've got a fixed return on, on those uh, residential leases, they're usually one year with, and, then, and then month, month renewable, and it's, and it's renewable by the, the tenant, not to the landlord. So the tenant is the one, that, so they, they, they are the one that's in control. And the, if there's an increase in expenses, like, you know, for example, operating costs, heating, uh, taxes, anything like that, the landlord has to eat it. 
and the, and the, the further landlord is is uh, is hemmed in by the residential tenancy act that is the one that's the the statute that controls the relationship between the tenant and landlord whereas with commercial it's the contract that you negotiate between you and the tenant or common law and it goes back to common law okay so, so it's the, the actual contract why does why is that in that case multifamily as part of commercial then because it technically i mean it, it doesn't necessarily include all the utilities it doesn't typically include all they don't have to fix everything it's not a triple net lease or a net lease as you mentioned so why why should that become part of your portfolio why is that something to consider in the commercial field so the reason why it's considered commercial is because usually you have a professional manager who's who, or you have an on-site building manager or something like that that's that's controlling a a portion of the 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 property for you, and the the reason why people are really attracted to residential multi res multifamily residential properties is because. In this particular market, there's been so much demand on the residential side. We have we have vacancy rates that are literally around one percent or under one percent. In some neighborhoods in in Vancouver, the, the west end of Vancouver, it's like 0.8 of one percent is the vacancy rate. Six percent is a balanced rate of uh, of vacancy in a particular market, so that you have people coming in and out, and there mm -hmm. you can find spaces. There's there's not a problem. So if you're under six percent. It means that there is a, a strong push on the landlord's side in terms of negotiation. So you have landlords that can ask for uh, deposits, that can ask for fees, that, that will be pushing rents up. And this is what th then turns people to, to go to the governments to say, hey, we need rental controls or those, those kinds of things. So you're talking about but, a buyer's market it, or a seller's market, right? Essentially, that's what you're, you're referring to. Or, or, or in that case, it's a, a, a landlord or tenant. Yeah. So, but the, what the, the reason why landlords like to go into those kinds of assets is because when there is so much demand for that kind of tenant, uh, that when the tenants are looking for those kind of product and, there's, there's, uh, and when there isn't enough of it on the market, the prices for the actual uh, tenancies go up. And as people roll over inside those buildings, the rents on the actual building go up. So where you might be buying a, uh, a residential multifamily unit that has like say uh, 50 or 100 units in it with uh, some single family, some studio, some, uh, some two bedroom, some one bedroom and two bedroom, you, ha you have these, these units that are rented for two, three, four thousand $4,000 a month. Mm -hmm. And then as people move out, the new one comes in, they're not paying $2,000 like the last one, they're paying 2,500 bucks. Right. Right. And so, so the, the actual income goes up. So the value of the asset goes up. Okay. So that's why um, commercial has an advantage versus, at least in my opinion, it, that's why in terms of a lot of investors, they're picking multifamily. And also, you know, would you attest to this? I mean, a lot of multifamily is actually priced um, in terms of per unit. It's actually cheaper than buying a condo. Right? Yes. Buy the whole building yeah. right, for yeah. uh, six units or more in this particular case as a commercial product. Sometimes it's priced 10, 15, 20% lower than the market if you just bought one condo. And that, do you find that a lot of investors get into those type of deals for that value? Yeah, so the way that actually some people that specialize in looking at multifamily residential purchasing, they buy it per door, the cost per door. So you're buying a building at, uh, you, when, you're when you're talking to somebody in the, in the business, 
you say, how much is it? You say it's 400,000 per door. Right. Or, or you say the, 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 so in the, in the same way that if you're looking at a, the, an investment property on, uh, on another class, you say, I'm looking at it. I'm, I'm looking at buying this property and it's at a, a, a three and a half cap or a four and a half cap. You say, oh, okay, now I understand without even knowing the size of the property, you just merely know the, the return that you're going to be getting on a snapshot. Okay. So what is, you know, when you say three cap, four cap, five cap, what does that actually mean in layman terms for a lot of us? So to somebody else that's looking at, uh, that's familiar with yields in the stock market, a yield and a capitalization rate are the exact same figure. So it's the income divided by the price. So if, if you have a, whether it, it's a $100,000 bond or $100,000 condo that's producing $10,000 uh, of interest or $10,000 worth of rental income, it's the exact same thing. So a capitalization rate or yield are the exact same thing. Okay. And it's so the simplest way of looking at a property. A more complicated but a better way of looking at a property is what's called an internal rate of return. What it, this is what I refer to is if you're going to be, if you're going to produce a movie, if you're going to be the one that is, is going to have a, a, a real story and have an asset that it has a story to it, do you want to buy it based on the cover of the one, one page of a book? Or do you want to actually have, have a whole movie that you're going to look at and say, based on that, now I'm going to go for it and I'm going to, I, I know what this, this asset is about. Because, you've, it, because one day later, after you've bought that property, if you have a tenant move out, the cap rate is now changed. So what a cap rate is, it's, it's a snapshot in time. It's like a picture. Whereas an internal rate of return, which is another method of evaluating a property that you and I use, which is looking at, looking at the start, what, how much money do you put in at the beginning of the investment, and how much income do you have over the life of the investment, how much uh, do you sell it for, the taxes, and, uh, and so you have, a, you have an arc from the start to finish. You say that's what the property is actually worth, not just what it is on this, on this one single day. But the one single day is the quick snapshot. It gives you a chance to say, yes, do I like this or am I, am I not sure? It will, it will give you a, a snapshot to say, yes, I, I've, got the, I've got the cap rate. I'm going to do a little bit more work and figure out an internal rate of return on this property. Well, it basically and gives you can apply that to any class. It, it basically gives us a little bit of an idea what the, the, on the surface, whether you want to explore more, right? So when we look at a property, when you and I look at a property, typically, I would ask you, you know, of course, the, the you know, the, how much the, the, the property it is. But the first thing that we essentially talk about is what the cap rate is, right? Because also at the same exactly. time, banks also look at a, a general evaluation, whether they would be interested in financing a particular deal, right? And if, you're, if your cap rate is really low, it means your income is typically very low. And therefore, the more amount of money that you need to put down uh, as a down payment of some sort in order for you to get that leverage. So in this particular case, Stephen, out of all the asset classes, before we jump into sort of things like, you know, various ways that, you know, to identify people who understand this, what, uh, what is your favorite asset class going forward at this point? Oh, that's a really good question. <laughs> I'm an industrial guy. I love office and industrial. So that's, that's really what I, I specialize in. It's what I know. It's, it's, a, it's, it's what I, I, I live, eat, and breathe. So it's, it's the thing that I, that I really get into. And you have a lot of really solid tenants in this particular market because we have a shortage of product. 
we know that we're going to be seeing growth uh, on a capital side and that the, the income is going to be following along with that as well. So that's, that's particularly my favorite. But in terms of other markets, uh, it, it's, it's doing the research. It's going in and, uh, and looking at becoming an expert on a particular specialization. It's looking at what, who are the players? How does that market fit in with the, with the rest of the country? And why, are, like, why would somebody be wanting to buy a three and a half cap property in Vancouver, whereas they can go get a seven uh, cap rate in Edmonton? Well, it's because Edmonton has a risk to it that Vancouver doesn't. Vancouver has a, a certain, uh, that, that's, what a, that's what a cap rate, a yield and a cap rate are essentially a, okay. a, a measurement of risk. So, 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 so you like office. So at the end of the day, I just want to boil this down. You like office and you like- uh, Industrial and industrial in office, yes. And, and that is what, but that you like that even before COVID. Has COVID changed any of that? No, no, it hasn't. COVID's come, COVID is going to come and it's going to go. It is going to, well, it, COVID is going to shift things. There is going to be some movement and it's being able to take advantage of that. You have to be able to do that again. I'm going to go back and say it again. It's about research. It's not about just merely jumping in the water and waiting for the tide to lift you up. It's about picking something that is moving in the right market at the right time. So you and I have uh, done this in the past where there was a, a, a property that, here uh, that locally had a, a single tenant building that, uh, that you were able to pick up at that a very building. good price. And, and you were able to sell it within two years at a significant, beyond what I expected, uh, a, a significant profit. So it's, it, it's about being a picker. So you need to work with somebody who is going to do the research and then after that do the analysis and help you get the right asset. That's, it's really about knowing the market and knowing the, the person that you're working with to get the right asset because it's, it's, it, the, with, with so much shifting going up with, the, with, uh, with what's going on in the market right now, you need to have some depth of the person that you're working with so that you can actually pick something that's going to fit for your portfolio because some people, they, they, they need to be safe. They need to know that they're that they're going to have no problems. That there's there's not anything to worry about, and those people need to go into very very safe assets. And you can do that in commercial real estate, and and find something that has very very good long term tenants. Like if you, if you if you get an industrial building that has just like one tenant or two tenants with long term leases and stable large companies, you should be fine. But okay. if you're going to be going into a Go ahead. So are you telling me that that is one of the significant reasons why investors should get into commercial real estate is because of the stability, perhaps even the passive income, truly yes. what people say of passive income. You believe that commercial truly can belong to somebody's portfolio because it will produce for them time and time again, year after year, literally without much, uh, much uh, involvement. Other input. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Property manager. So, so when it, so what you see in the stock market is you see like the the liquidity of the stock market. If you are going to spend a lot of time watching the ups and downs, uh, like of the of what's going on the last few weeks, 
of uh, both going down and up. If you can ride that roller coaster, if you got the stomach for it, great, go for it. However, if you're somebody that wants to get into something solid, something that has uh, tax benefits that the government is trying to encourage people to get into land, that you, so you, you're able to get into leverage, uh, you're able to write off interest, like these kinds of things, you can capital, uh, uh, capital, uh, no, I'm thinking of- uh, Write off. Uh, cost co yeah, cost recovery analysis, uh, cost recovery uh, and depreciation. So if you're, you're able to depreciate a building, uh, that's a way of, of sheltering uh, some of the tax that you would be paying on that. And then when you go in, when you sell it, uh, you have a capital gain and uh, there's, a, there's a tax that's involved in there as well. But uh, again, the government is going to allow you to shelter half of that capital gain. Where on, on, if you're in a stock, you pay 100% on your capital gain. But if you're, if, if you're looking at uh, real estate, you only pay cap, capital gains on 50% of it. So that's a benefit as well. So the government actually encourages people to invest in real estate, so hard assets. And that's uh, it's and banks want money into these kinds of assets as well. Okay, so here's the thing. I mean, sure, people want to get into commercial real estate, but you know, you run into the, the significant challenge of you know how expensive assets are. I mean, a lot of times when I talk to you know people about commer commercial versus residential, they automatically think commercial is going to be way way more expensive. So in order for you to get tenants or great tenants that you're saying AAA tenants or nationwide, nationwide tenants, or perhaps even the, these people who sign a 10-year lease with you, you're talking about a bigger institution or a bigger business. So you know, does, is there a correlation between having a safer asset versus how expensive that asset is? Um, can you shed some light on, on the, the values or how expensive an asset is? Because a lot of people want to do it. Right after hearing, after sure. you're like, okay, I want to do this, but they might consider the financial constraints of that. So, can you run 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 us through that a little bit? Sure. So, if if you're in the Vancouver market, uh, the average the average single family detached home is like a million and a half dollars for somebody that lives here. So. If you're looking at a warehouse or an office that has multi-tenants or that is uh, a commercial building, that's not just a single unit strata, but you're actually looking at a, a building with multi-tenants, it's going to cost more than somebody's home. That's the first thing. So if you look at it that way, the, the cost of these assets can be anywhere from say six, seven, eight million million all the way up to $100 million. Uh, or even more. But uh, in terms of somebody that wants to locate in one of the suburbs or if they want to uh, locate in one of the areas, if you're outside the downtown core, you can definitely find properties that are under 10 million or under 20 million for sure. These, these properties are out there and you're going to be able to find uh, quality buildings uh, with quality tenants, but it takes work. These things aren't just going to pop up overnight. You have it, it, like I have tenants or I have uh, I have people that I've worked with that I have lost deals with people. I have lost the, the client because they say, I've got a I've got a time horizon. I want to put place my money. I want to be in in the next like three months and I want to see all the options that are out there at this particular price range. I said, well, here's two. And they're like, what do you mean two? 
And I said, well, the, for the for the asset that you're looking for in the, geogra the geography that you're looking at, there's and the price point that you're looking at, there's only two in, the, in your asset class. So if you want to give me longer time, I can find something for you that will that will fit in your portfolio still, but I need more time because the because like for example in industrial you have a, a probably about a 1.8 1.9% vacancy rate which means that out of the multiple millions of square feet that are out there there's only 1.9% vacancy out of the entire of the metro vancouver market okay so in this particular that, that's fine i mean it's more expensive we understand but it also comes with like you know a lot of people talk about this right now going because you know on my previous podcast or in the conversations we've had there is you know possibly you know things like bankruptcies foreclosures businesses going out of business and that could reduce the the amount of tenancy there is reducing therefore the cap rate on buildings and therefore these mm -hmm. assets dropping in value um, how likely is It'll that from increase what the you cap rate no, so it, I'll just jump no, in for the people are going to, there's less tenants. So in this particular case, your cap rate is, oh yeah, it will increase the cap rate because you're, you know, it's less, it's less attractive for the asset because you're not right. going to have a tenant. So, you know, what, what does right. that do right now for this, this economy? I mean, what going forward is these things just as safe as they were before? I'm going to say really what it has to do with is due diligence. So it's, you are going to be looking at properties, whether it's retail, retail is going to be the most difficult one to invest into. There's definite possible. So if you, let's just talk about retail for a second. If you're going to be looking at a retail property as an investor, you better be experienced. You better be knowing what you're doing. You better have experience on owning other properties, have good property management that works with you and get ready to be creative in terms of doing something with vacancies, either finding tenants or repurposing buildings or uh, investing into the property in another way in order to attract and bring in new tenants. If you are a new investor, retail, is, this is probably not the time to become a new retail uh, landlord. If you're looking at something like office uh, or industrial, you can go into those with uh, a little less experience, but it's, it's, it, it's going in and doing the work on finding out who the tenants are, uh, what their leases look like, and, uh, and who the property management is. If they have property management already, you need to have a relationship. You need to build a team around you. You need to have a good property manager. You need to have a good commercial realtor. You need to have a good appraiser, lawyer, accountant. You need to have a team around you. You are going to be the one, you're like the, the owner of a basketball team. And you need to have somebody that's going to be a good coach who's going to be out there and finding the, the way to win when they're out on the floor and they have other people that are going to be part of that team. You need to have a team around you. This is, the, this is our approach as well. You, have, you, Peter, have an excellent lawyer who works with you. We have a great appraiser, uh, your accountant, and, uh, and property management uh, is, is part of the key as well. So if anybody's going to be doing that, they need to have this team because that that team is what's really going to make you successful at uh, when you're when you're looking at properties. Totally, and that and that goes without saying. Whether it's any business, even residential, I would say you know you need that team around you. Especially the team may be a little bit smaller, like you know mortgage broker, etc. But you still need a, a very fantastic team around you if you ever want to win, right? In any in, in yeah. any you know, real estate transaction. 
But with that being said, I mean, yeah, I, you mentioned the value. I want to go back to this for a second. I mean, a lot of people are then scared. Hey, $10 million, right? And typically in Vancouver, we may be able to get, you know, 75% loan to value or 80%, uh, you know, 70% loan to value. So essentially on a $10 million asset, they're going to come up with 2 million bucks. Not a lot of people have that. But I want to bring up the one point about that. In residential, you don't typically have a lot of joint ventures, people doing stuff together, right? You, you know, buying one house, right. one home. But in commercial, you see that a lot more. Can you share a little bit about you know, your experience with that, having multiple owners or multiple shareholders, buying in a corporation in that capacity, owning assets? Because, you know, yes, it might scare a lot of people from a $2 million, $10 million perspective. But really, this is where a lot of business is being done because it's multiple people coming in together to sometimes doing deals. Can you, you know, shed a little bit of light on yeah. how those work? So yeah, you, there's a lot of times people when they're coming into deals, uh, like the team that we're talking about, they, the investment, the, the, the people who are putting up the equity also come in as a team. So you have people that are partnerships, sometimes it's inter intergenerational within a family. So you have uh, a father and son, uh, or you have uh, business partners that have a construction company that say, hey, we should be getting into uh, to owning some of the assets that we're building right now, and let's go out and buy some. So you have people that do that. And then there's syndication, which is uh, you get somebody who is an expert at raising money, and they go out and get uh, 20 people to put in a couple hundred thousand dollars, and then they can go out there and buy a serious asset. And what that does, when somebody does something like that, it, it takes out a portion of the market that is able to just get a, uh, the equity out of their home and just go buy a small, uh, old uh, office or strip mall or something like that. And it goes, you're, get, you're starting to get a, a higher quality product because you're going to be looking at something that has uh, better tenants, more tenants, and it has less people with, with their eyes on it. Most people, they want to invest in a, in a particular market that they live near so that if there's a problem, so that they can deal with it, so that you don't have to drive uh, far away or fly far away in order to, to deal with the problems or hire somebody and trust them that you actually have somebody local that's, that's feet on the ground. And people like to invest in the area that they live, work, and are, or, or know people where they're, where they're, where they can work on that very closely. Right. So in, in this, I mean, just wrapping up here, there is a lot of opportunity, but I've always said to many listeners or friends, colleagues, I said, you know, it's very important to understand this from commercial, right? Is an individual, right? Tenant more likely to pay rent or is McDonald's likely to pay rent? or a Starbucks likely to pay rent, or a Walmart or a Costco or a Kia to likely pay rent. And, and I say that because, right. uh, you know, businesses, a lot of businesses have the capacity to pay rent, even during times of this COVID, right? A lot of these organizations or businesses are more capable of handling the risk factor, their cash flow stronger. And that's what also makes certain assets much more sophisticated. But with that being said, Stephen, you have ample of knowledge. We can talk about commercial real estate for hours, if not days, because when you and I chat we all do. about everything commercial real estate, right? And of course, as you know, that's you know my bread and butter, and that's where I love to spend most of my time. Now, if people are 
wanting to get into commercial real estate, can you just give us maybe one, two, or three things that they need to sort of follow in sequence for them to get at least understanding the market? Because not everybody lives in Vancouver. They can't all contact you, right? I'm not willing to share, but yeah. man, you do, you're, you're working for me. You, we, we're, we're busy. But with that being said, what are some of the things they can find uh, you know, in steps, in sequence, so they can get started looking at commercial property for their portfolio? So whatever market that they are in, they are going to be able to do Google searches and bring up the, the local large real estate firms that are in their area that produce research that they can access. They might have to put it, they might have to give an email address, but they can go to find these large international uh, real estate firms that provide research on their local market. And they'll have it broken down into asset classes, whether it's investments, it's an industrial, uh, multifamily, retail, office, et cetera. And they'll be able to get information there. You don't have to come to me. You can, you can get it right from your local market. And it is available wherever you are in the entire world. So if, you, if, you're, near, uh, if you're near a major metropolitan area. Okay. So that's and, and doing that due diligence. So, so the first thing is, is the due diligence is research, 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 get out there and learn the market so that you understand what it is that you're doing. I, I, it, if you want to learn hockey, if you want to learn uh, investing, if you want to learn real estate, whatever it is, you need to get out there and learn about what it is that you want to put your money into. After you've done the uh, learning, then start to talk to people. Talk to people in the business, talk to agents, talk to landlords, talk to investors, talk to people that in your, your own sphere of influence, talk to people about it, say, this is what I'm thinking of doing and find out what other people say. I need a mentor. Uh, it, it, find out if there's somebody that's willing to give you advice for free uh, and, and somebody that's going to help you. Then try and find somebody that, that can either mentor you, partner you uh, and work with you in, in your local market. Then uh, find yourself an agent and find somebody that is going to uh, give you the advice that you need on a sales oriented basis. And once you, once you work, start working on that, you're going to have multiple times that you're gonna, you're gonna try on this, you're gonna fail, but you wanna, you wanna make sure that when you actually succeed, that you succeed in the right place because you've done your due diligence on the individual property. After you've learned the market, you've learned the property, and you've got, an, you've got somebody who's working with you on, on that particular agent. And the agent that you have, find an agent who lines up with your values. Interview people. Go out and find several different people and find out somebody that actually works with you. You might find somebody who's quick, but he might be sloppy. You might find somebody who's slow, but he's very, very thorough. Find somebody who works with your personality and complements your, uh, your asset skill and, and is able to give you what you're looking for and because you're going to bring something to the table and you want to have what they bring to the table, they need, whoever you're going to work with, make sure they're an expert. Okay. Awesome. That is some seriously amazing advice because I think, you know, I couldn't have put it any better myself. So Steven, um, all in all, would you agree commercial should be certainly a consideration for serious investors out there to put that in part of their portfolio? Would you say that? I'm going to say it should be one of the foundations of your portfolio and it's a place in which you can build the rest of your portfolio. What I, when I'm working with people, I, I say you need to build a strong foundation. First off, it's, it's going to have a solid return. It might not have the highest return, but if you're looking at, at a stock portfolio, the first thing you're going to be investing in 
is not high-risk stocks. You're going to be looking at something that's solid, that's going to protect your capital so that you have something that's going to be there in the future. And then you start to branch off into other things. You want to get into tech, you want to get into bio, uh, you want to get into like you know, oil or whatever it is, commodities. You start to go in a particular avenue and you start to learn about that and that it becomes a branch. But the, the place that you start is with the foundation. I think that the commercial real estate is actually part of your foundation. That's where your biggest por por portion of your portfolio should be. After that, you can start to go off and say, hey, I want to like, you know, invest in a hotel. It's like, okay, let's go into hotels. They're going to learn about hotels. But whatever it is, you learn, learn, learn before you actually go into that particular asset class or work with people who are in there that can teach you that have experience there so you can partner with them. But you want to make sure that where, wherever you're going, that you either you either have given yourself the, the education yourself or find somebody you can. Okay. So thank you, Stephen. So if people want to get some advice or some knowledge or perhaps find, you know, more, get into more in-depth conversations as to how they can invest in Vancouver or vice versa, uh, how they can find the right uh, commercial realtor, uh, how do they get a hold of you? It's real easy. My name's Stephen. Uh, I use, if you want to have this, Stephen at gammer.ca. So it's just my middle name is at for this in this particular uh, example. But uh, so Stephen at Gammer is the best place to reach me and gammer.ca is my website. It's just like my last name, just Gammer. Gammer and then .ca. So what can, I mean, if people contact you, what can you do for them? Like how, how, can, you make, how can you help the people in a big way? I'm gonna, t I'm gonna tell you the first thing that happens when I, like this happened with you and me, is as much as somebody is going to, you as the investor want to interview people, I actually want to interview people as well. I want to find out if this person has the right expectations for the market and working with me. If this person thinks that their, their expectations for the market are way, way off, I'm going to say you need to find somebody who's going to uh, possibly work with you and it might not be me. You want to find somebody who's going to fit each other. The things that I'm going to be offering somebody is the, the expertise, the depth of, uh, of knowledge of people that I have in this particular market. I, before I was in, in real estate, I used to be involved in politics a lot. So I, I've known a lot of people. I grew up in this market. So I, I've just known uh, a lot of people, both in the brokerage community, as well as uh, developers, uh, investors, uh, people throughout this market. So it's, it's, it's about that kind of experience. And then making sure that you have somebody who can analyze things for you. Somebody that can actually do the work and is not farming it off. You want to make sure that that person actually understands and knows the business. All right. Fantastic. Guys, thank you, Stephen, for being here. It's a pleasure. It's an honor. And uh, dude, get back to work because we need to close more deals this year. Um, okay. Thanks, Peter. I really appreciate this. That's awesome. So guys, you know what? Commercial has been a huge part at a foundation. I think, you know, you could, he couldn't have put it better. It's been a huge foundation of how I built my business all around the world. I love commercial properties because you know what? I, I've come to realize that you know, big companies or you know, at least medium-sized companies are much better tenants than the individual mom and pop. And that's what exactly I've gone into. And the fact, and the fact is, you know, in residential, people look at you as the landlord and the banks look at you as the landlord. When it comes to commercial, they look at the tenant first. And so that's for those of us who have already built a portfolio or wanting to build a bigger portfolio, commercial is without a doubt the better way to go. So guys, go out there, 
look at the commercial community, look at the commercial property, because I think this is going to be life changing. Guys, let's go out there, have some fun, make the best of post-COVID, because I think it's going to be raining pots of gold. Guys, have a great day.